have a card here from Rick and Robin Mapes. May the Lord's goodness and care always surround you. Uh, dear church family, Rick and I just want to thank you for a wonderful day of fellowship last Sunday. Thanks for setting up and bringing the food um, and partaking of the delicious food, which included all the meat and fixing God indeed provided. Looking forward to all that God has in store for the church this year uh, in him, serving him, Rick and Robin. Um, we should be sending them the thank you note. They hosted us, but uh, just a pretty card. We'll post it on the board out there. Um, but at the same time, um, having people willing to serve and, and use what God has given them to serve him uh, is always a blessing. So we appreciate their, their hearts in that. Open God's words with me, if you would, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 18, we're going to do just a, a brief review and, and then catch up to 19 and move forward today. Uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, cleanse our hearts, clear our minds, may we focus on you and you alone. May we be open to hearing your word and allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts. Father, I know that, that each one of us are at a different place, and so we pray that, that your Holy Spirit will take the words uh, that come out of my mouth today and apply it to each heart, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit will be busy about that work we ask. And Father, I pray that only truth would come from my mouth, and if, if I am in error, stop me from saying it. Because, Father, we want your word to be purely preached. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 18, verse 23, Paul uh, begins his third missionary journey. Uh, he departs from Antioch, uh, which was his home church, the home base sending him out to the, to the mission field. And then he, go, and he heads uh, back through Asia Minor there, what we call it today, uh, and gets, he, he, he heads on back to, to Ephesus. In verse 24, a certain Jew by the name of Apollos, if we remember, he was the only person in the Bible that it says that he was eloquent. If you remember, Moses tried to tell God how uneloquent he was. But the, the word of God, Luke, Luke uses that adjective for him, for Apollos here, is that he was an eloquent man. He was learned in the scriptures. He was fervent in the spirit and he taught accurately. And if you get in the middle of verse 26 there, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. He, he was preaching and teaching correctly up to a point, but he needed to finish his education. And a brother and sister came alongside and said, hey, buddy, Christ came. <laughs> he came. 
He died for our sins. He resurrected. Messiah has come. And he has returned to heaven. But he, he came. And we need to not preach the baptism of John now. But we need to preach the baptism of Jesus. So then... Uh, as, as Paul is making his way through Asia Minor and heading back to Ephesus, Apollos leaves Ephesus and heads over to Greece. Uh, in verse 27 there, it says, And he wanted to go across to Achaia. And the brothers said, Yeah, go. In verse 28, demonstrating he, he, he refuted, excuse me, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ, and to the Jew that Jesus was the Messiah, and to the Gentile that Jesus was the Savior. Chapter 19, last time we were in Acts, we went through verses 1 through 10. Apollos has now gone to Corinth. Paul, having gone through Asia Minor, finds himself in Ephesus, and he finds the 12 disciples there. He doesn't use the word Christian for them because at this point they're not. He finds 12 men who, who are seeking the truth but haven't found it. They're, they're still in the, in the baptism of John, almost like Apollos. Their, their education needed to be continued. They needed to be informed and understand that the baptism of Jesus had come. We spent some time discussing the fact that if they were believers, they would have had the Holy Spirit. Because when we come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells and fills us. So it's really, it's, it's, there's an easy test. If you got the Holy Spirit, you know Jesus. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't know Jesus. It's that straightforward, that simple, and that plain. As we get down to verses 8, 9, and 10 there, he entered the synagogue there in Ephesus. Boldly he pre spoke out for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when they became hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way, and Paul withdrew from them and took away the disciples, and they found a, a, a school that wasn't being used. And there he would preach and teach daily to the Jews and the Gentiles that were in Ephesus that wanted to hear the word of God. We'll talk a lot about the, the topography and the, the layout of Ephesus, maybe a little more next week uh, when the, the mob rules in the, in the big amphitheater there. But um, our families had the privilege of actually being in Ephesus and seeing that. It's pretty amazing what's left. But... You know, when you, you take tours with other people that aren't believers, they just don't get it. They don't grasp and understand, oh, yeah, it's cool architecture, cool history. But when you stand at the bottom of the amphitheater and you're looking up at the amphitheater and, and you know what happened there so long ago, I, I, I'm getting chills on my arms just thinking about it now of what happened. That's next week, though, okay? So you'll have to come back to hear about that. That's next week. But here we have a, a disturbance. One, one commentator points out the disturbances in the book or in this chapter. We have a disturbance in the synagogue. And so Paul takes them and he goes and finds an empty school to teach in. And then in verses 13 to, to 17, that, that one points out the disturbance with the, 
with the demons and what's going on there. And then the last disturbance is next week in the big amphitheater where, where the, the mob just kind of goes nuts. And you, you understand the idea of mob mentality. Well, we're going to back up just a little bit and we're going to spend time today in verses 10 through 20. We'll begin in verse 11. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. Any of you see televangelists today that will say, send me $99.99 and I'll blow you a hanky I sneezed on and then you'll be healed of all your problems. It's nothing new. Solomon told us that, that there's nothing new. They've been doing it for a long time. But there's a little difference with this one. A little, little difference going on here. First of all, Paul wasn't asking for any money. But more importantly, it was done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11 says, God was performing extraordinary miracles. Now, miracles, by definition, are extraordinary but Luke takes the time to point out here that these are not ordinary miracles. Okay, miracles aren't ordinary, but these are not ordinary miracles. These are, are special, they're one time, they're singular. But the most important thing to remember is that they're done in the power of God. Paul never took any credit. Paul never said, I'm doing this, this is me, send me $9.99 or whatever. He says it's being done. Luke, Luke writes, God was performing extraordinary miracles. And, and, and while, while Paul was working at his tent making, um, whatever reason, God used this. It's, it's, it's unusual. It's extraordinary. Um, some of the, the, the translations use, see if I can find it here in my notes, the different words. Of course not. I had a list of the different the, the different words the different translations use, but but the, the it's extraordinary, unusual, and, and it's singular. It, it's a one-time occurrence. This wasn't a normal thing, uh, even for miracles at that time. This was not a normal thing, and it certainly isn't anything that that was brought forward into the current time of the church. But he, he makes a distinction here, Luke does, in the writing. It says, the handkerchiefs and aprons were even carried from his body to the sick. And one, the diseases left them. And two, the evil spirits went out. He makes a distinction there. Evil spirits are not the illness. And illnesses don't cause or bring about demons or evil spirits. And he, and he makes that distinction, and that distinction will be a little bit more important in the, in the next section that we go over. But the, the miracles um, validate, that's the word I'm looking for, the miracles validate Paul's ministry. If, if you had any, any question or wondering about Paul and his ministry, here you go. God's, God's power is at work, and he's saying, yes, these, these miracles 
are being done through Paul by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were, there we go. They were extraordinary, remarkable, and singular. Uh, they were not magic. They were not typical. And he, he distinguishes there between the two. And I, I, should have, I wanted to start out by telling you the three sections that we're going to break down today. Um, and you don't, you don't have to write the outline down, okay, because it's in your Bible. Um, I, I'm not a great alliterator, so I'm just going to use the word, okay? Verses 11, if you, if you want a, a brief outline, verses 11 and 12, God was performing extraordinary miracles. The second section, verses 13 to 17, at the end of verse 17, the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Now, a lot happens in that paragraph, but the end result and the purpose and the point of that paragraph is to tell us and to show us that the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. And then lastly, the third section, 18, 19, and 20. You can use verse 20 as your, as your outline. The word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. So we have God was performing miracles. The name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. And the word of the Lord was growing mightily. I know it's not alliterated, but that's as good as my outline gets, okay? I'm going to leave it right there with the word. As we move into the, the, the section verses 13 through 17, you need to understand that the... the city of Ephesus was very much into the occult. It was a very dark city uh, from, from the spiritual aspect. Uh, they had a, a huge temple to, um, uh, to Artemis, uh, the, the, or also known as Diana, the goddess of fertility. We'll get more into that next week when we talk about the mob, but just so that you understand the, the darkness that, that was in the city. It, it was uh, very evil. Uh, they, they worshipped they worshiped their gods, but they also, uh, it was a very prevalent place for, for demons. Uh, I think of today, we, we think of, if any of you have been there, done a missions trip, or know anything about Haiti, Haiti is a very, very much into demon worship. And it's a very dark country. Uh, you know, into the voodoo and, and all of that stuff. Uh, everything that opposes God um, is, is very much what Haiti is about today, and it's one of the reasons they have the problems they do. Uh, but this day, it was Ephesus, uh, and their focus was on Artemis. She, there, they, they had a temple uh, built to Artemis that was like four times the size of the Parthenon in Athens, Okay. So it was, it was no small deal uh, to, to, to preach against Artemis and to preach against this God in, in, in Ephesus was a big deal. It was kind of you know, frowned upon uh, by the city fathers because that was their, their God, okay? So, but again, that's next week. But understand, Ephesus was the center of the occult, and, and Satan was very active there. Uh, verse 13, also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those 
who had the evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man said, In whom was the evil spirit? He leapt on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Now, it wasn't unusual for Jewish priests to cast out demons. But it was highly unusual that they would do it in the name of Jesus. Think, think back to earlier in Acts, when we said that Jesus, when he came, he fulfilled the he fulfilled the law, and he fulfilled the temple. And then we added later on in Acts, we added that he fulfilled prophecy. But when when Christ came, he fulfilled the law and he fulfilled the temple. And if, and if Jesus Christ was real, and he, the, the, he, was, he became the atonement for sins, the Jewish priests realized that they were out of business. They had no function or purpose anymore. They didn't like that idea because they liked being the center of attention. They liked to have the focus on the temple because that, that validated who they were. That, that gave them import. And so for Jewish priests to go around using the name of Jesus, is highly unusual. And I caution, and the one thing we see here is, is the mis- I'll say the misappropriation of the name Jesus. And, and back in Exodus, chapter 20, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And that's usually where we stop, but there's more to that verse. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. The demon says, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? They were invoking the name of Jesus without having the power of Jesus behind it. You know that... that, that we, we always talk about God, you know, we can, we can look great on the outside and people can think that we're good people or whatever, or, or that we do something for the right reason. God knows our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows truly what's in there. And, and these Jews, the, these, the seven sons of Sceva, we're doing this because they wanted to be recognized. It was the thing to do. When they saw that this handkerchief and the aprons of, of this tent maker, the, would, would, in the end of verse 12, would, would make the evil spirits go away, they figured, well, certainly we can do this. We, we don't have the, the handkerchief or the aprons, but if, if we say that we're doing this in the name of Jesus, they'll flee. Not so. Not so, because God knew, God saw their hearts, and he understood that they weren't doing it from the, from the right purpose, for the right reasons.
What, what, what is one thing that, that Satan is famous for? Okay, let me take a step back from that. Three and four-year-olds, what do they like to do? They like to imitate. They like to do what they see mom and dad doing. So if you don't like the way your kids are growing up, <laughs> go look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyhow, uh, moving right along. Kids like to imitate. They, they see. That's how they learn. Well, Satan wants to be, well, he wanted to be above Jesus, above God. The next best thing he can think of to do is to imitate God or try to imitate God so that he can receive some of the glory. <coughs> Excuse me. That he can receive some of the glory and people will think that he is God. Turn with me to Matthew 13, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. We have the, the parable of the tares among the wheat. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprang up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. And the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does it have tares? <coughs> And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? No, the owner said, Lest while you are gathering up the tares, you may root up the wheat with them. Allow, allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. Obviously, there is Satan being the one that come in and sowed the tares. Wanted to make it look like it was part of the real thing. But when they start to grow up, the difference becomes obvious. Very plain to see that the enemy has come in. Tried to, tried to fit in, tried to look like everything else. But it's obvious that it's, he's not. Acts chapter 8, go right back to Acts. Have another sample, example. Simon the sorcerer. He saw what was going on. He saw the miracles. He saw people being healed. And he was of the, the, of the magic arts. And, and he wanted to buy the power to do that healing. He wanted to, to look like he was doing it right, but the motivation of his heart was all wrong. It was obvious that he was doing it for himself, and he wasn't doing it for the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 13. Beginning in verse 6. Let 
when they'd gone through the island of, of Paphos, or on the island of Cyprus, and they got to the west end to the city of Paphos, they found a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus. He was calling himself the son of Jesus. Verse 10, he says, you know that, that you are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil. That's what he really was, was the son of the devil. He wasn't the son of Jesus, but he wanted to, Satan was using this man to appear and to, to try to sell the idea that he was the son of Jesus, that he was telling and sowing the truth when in fact he was doing anything but. It says in verse 10 there, you're the son of the devil, you're an enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? That's what Satan's all about. He, he doesn't want to see any of us walking the straight and narrow. He wants to make the route crooked. He wants to, to confuse us. <coughs> he wants to make it look like he's taking you down the right path. But he's there to do nothing but to deceive you. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 11. Verses 13 through 15. Paul is, is warning the, the believers in Corinth. And he says, For such men are false prophets, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deeds. Remember back to Exodus 20. It, after it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It says in the end, they're going to be punished. Those that do that. And here we have the perfect example in Acts chapter 19 of those that are doing that. They're trying to invoke the name of Jesus. And they had no business doing it. And the result... They, they kind of got a little bit of their punishment right there. The man that had the demon beat up on all seven of them. I guess that's a nice way to say it. He beat them up. He bloodied them. So they, they ran. I, th I, think, I think more than, than the beating they were taking, I think they were afraid when they realized that they didn't have the power of God and what could happen if the power of Satan came upon them, which was happening. I think they ran out more because they were scared than they were physically hurt, which they were obviously physically hurt as well, but I'd be scared. I'd be scared. They fled out of the house naked and wounded, and this became known to the Jews and the Greeks. They, they didn't have email and Twitter, but word still got around fairly quickly. Word, word got out. Fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Amen and amen. Through bad circumstances, 
through, through not the way that you want it to happen, but the people learned the lesson, and, and they knew that it was God wasn't something to mess around with. It wasn't something to, to just take for a joy ride and see how it would work. God was performing extraordinary miracles. The name of the Lord is being magnified. Verse 18 through 20. The word of the Lord is growing mightily. Many also of those who had believed kept coming. They kept confessing. And they kept disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of all. And they counted up the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord is growing mightily and prevailing. Most of your translations in verse 18 probably, I, I repeated the word kept three times, that it kept happening. The, 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 the Greek tense there, uh, I think it's the perfect aorist tense, don't quote me on that though, indicates that it is something that is happening, but it is continuing into the future. It's not just a one and done. Okay? They kept coming, they kept confessing, and they kept disclosing. I've heard of, of, of situations where people, um, when, they have, when they come to Christ, have just a clean and complete cut from some sin that was big in their life. Like They, they were constantly cursing God's name and swearing, and, and they just stopped, or, or they, somebody was smoking, and, and God just took it away from them like that. Well, it doesn't seem to be the case here. This seems to be the, the, the case where they, as, as they were growing, they, they kept growing. They kept coming under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They kept coming to repentance. They kept confessing. And, and, and it, it didn't happen just all at once. But at the same time, it was something that, that was an obvious sign that the Holy Spirit was at work in their lives. There was some house cleaning going on here. Some confession and repentance and, and just to, to there's there's a there's a small booklet called My Heart Christ Home. And it, and it talks about how we we can give all 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 of us to Jesus except that one hall closet. We want to just keep that little sin there so that we can, you know, maybe maybe nobody else even knows about it. Maybe they do, maybe not. But we just, we, we'll, we'll give our whole heart to Jesus except this one little closet. Because we want to keep doing that. That's our, our fun. That's mine. Stay out, Jesus. You, you, you got the whole rest of the house. Come on. Let me, let me have my little closet here. And, 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 and that kind of is the picture I get when I read this verse. Is they didn't want to give it all up. 
It's, it's, it was so involved in who they were. But they didn't stop. That's the good part. They didn't stop. They kept coming, confessing, and disclosing. They, they, they stayed at it. They, they, the Holy Spirit didn't leave them alone, and, and they kept submitting and learning to bring their, their pieces of witchcraft, their, their books, their writings, the things that they would use, the incantations that they would chant. They were getting rid of these things. And it was no small it was no small price. I mean sin sin has a, a large price. Because one one little one little pinky sin sent Jesus to the cross for you and me. It was a high price because of our sin. In, in, in there, there can be a lot of things, and we'll get more into this next week with idolatry. And this, this leads right into it. What, what are those things that we idolize in our lives? I'm going to step on my own toes here. It could be Pepsi. It could be a collection of something. It could be, turn, turn those off, Mark, close your ears, Ron. It, it, it could be fishing. <laughs> it could be you got to have that house or that boat. You got to have this or that. Those things in and of themselves aren't wrong, but God knows your heart and your motivation for getting those things. God rewards hard work, don't get me wrong, but it's your attitude towards those things. Check, check between you and the Lord, okay? I, I'm not going to get involved because that would get real messy. I don't want to go there. And in of these themselves, these things aren't necessarily wrong. But what, what, what is our attitude towards them? What is our focus? Is our focus on the Lord or is our focus on things? I got to get a bigger and better camper. I got to get a bigger and better boat. I need a bigger house. I need a second house. I need my trip to the Bahamas every Christmas, every winter, whatever. Again, in and of themselves, those aren't wrong, but if that becomes the focus of our life and that's, that's everything that we think about and dream about and it, and it distracts us and takes our attentions off of God, then you better think about that verse in Exodus. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Wrong motivations and desires, that, that can fall into that category. So be careful. Just walk real quickly with me through through the book of Acts. We'll look at a couple different verses. Acts 2.41. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Chapter 6, verse 7. And the word of God kept on spreading. 
and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Chapter 12, verse 24. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Chapter 13, verse 49. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. Back to chapter 19, verse 20. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. Extraordinary miracles happened because Paul was faithful to carry out the work of the Lord that he had for him. He didn't, the, the miracles were not accomplished in the power of Paul. The miracles were accomplished by the power of God. When God works, when God works, the name of the Lord Jesus will be magnified. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, we will keep coming, we will keep confessing, and we will keep disclosing our sins and asking for forgiveness, and that will bring about actions in our lives. They brought these books and, and the tools of their trade, shall we say, to be burned. Do you know that the, the value of these books, we talk about the price that Christ paid for just that one little sin, and there are no sizes to sin, okay? Sin is sin. I thought I wrote it down here. I didn't. But it was two, 250 men working full-time for a whole year. Their salary. 250 men working full-time for an entire year is what they burned up here in Ephesus. That's, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. What is there in our lives that we need to put on that fire? They had a, a radical break from what they were living and then when they came to Christ, they realized that they needed to put this stuff away. And you know what? They didn't sell it so they could get a little back. You know, I, I paid $500 for these magic books. I, I'd like to get 350 back if I could. No. No. Burn them. Burn them. Don't give anybody else the opportunity to use these things for Satan's work so what is it in your life because I'm sure that until we get to heaven every one of us has something what is it 
that the Holy Spirit's talking to you about. And like I said in the prayer at the beginning, we're all at different places in our spiritual walk. So what the Holy Spirit's going to convict you of is going to be something different than what he's going to convict you of and you and, and me. And, but we all got something that we need to give to him. But when you do, there will be joy. There will be a peace that the world does not understand, cannot comprehend. When we give it to him, there can be joy in our lives and joy in our hearts as we walk with him. So what are you going to do this week? Take an inventory. Spend some time with God. Psalm 46. Be still and know. Drove out past Cedar Bay this week and just reminded us. It's a retreat center. Used to be owned by the Navigators. Now it's owned by a, a Christian camping organization in Wisconsin. But down towards, down towards Cedarville, just past Cedarville, actually. Just made me think. I, I counseled at the camp one year after Bible college back in the day, many, many moons ago. But the thing that, that impacted me, and rem, remember to this day, always will, is when we were in counselor training, we had 17 days of training before the kids came. We paid them for the privilege of counseling at that camp that summer. They did not pay us. But one of the days of that training is we were supposed to go out for 12 hours to, with nothing but a lunch, some water, and our Bibles. And be still. And, and, you know, and they, they tell you before you go out, they tell you how your day's going to go, and it's amazing. Because, you know, in the first half hour, you've, you've, you've prayed everything that you can think to pray of, and, and you're like, okay, what now? <laughs> but give it a few more hours, and it's amazing. Allow God to start to speak to your heart. If you have that opportunity, if you can, whatever. Might not be a twelve hour a twelve hour stint where you just go off in the woods. Let somebody know where you're going, okay? But off in the woods. And just to be still and know and listen to God and allow him to speak to your heart. And then apply this to what, what do I need to keep confessing? What do I need to keep disclosing? What do I need to change in my life? So that his name will be magnified. And so that the word of the Lord will grow mightily and it will prevail.
in my life. Father, help us to slow down. Help us to spend time with you each and every day. Help us to want that time, to miss it if we don't. And Father, allow us to come under the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would allow him to convict us of our sin. And then that we might come and confess to you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week.